Hi guys, and welcome back to the Building Financial Fitness Podcast. And we have back with us today, Josh, and we also have Tom as well on audio. Hi, Tom. Hi, how are you going? Good, good. It's great to have you two on the same call, even though we're not in the same place. But um, yeah, I wanted to have both of you guys on because you guys are really the main two guys behind AAA Quant. And today I wanted to talk about delving into quant trading as a beginner. And we sort of have the two perspectives, right? Josh, you were coming in with it with, you know, when you first started, you're just like, you know, less than a year into it. And I think it has been a steep learning curve for you. But the expert here is Tom. So Tom, could we have you like give a quick introduction of yourself? I started out as a, a physicist. I did a physics PhD and I also did some time in academia as a lecturer. Hmm. I then worked in engineering for a while, for example, for Rolls-Royce, for jet engines. Uh, I started this quant trading as a hobby. Mm. Really, because I thought, oh, maybe I can manage my savings uh, using automated systems because I was good at it from engineering, writing computer programs. And so as it happens, uh, the uh, hobby became an obsession. And before uh, you knew it, about 12, 13 years ago, companies approached me because I I wrote a blog about this. And I was one of the first people who actually wrote blogs Mm. about quantitative finance or quantitative trading for non-institutional people. So so I got approached and then I started working for various hedge funds and asset managers until about uh, six years ago, I started AAA Quants, where I provide now consultancy, uh, education, and other services uh, to financial institutions, mm. and sometimes also individual traders. It's interesting because uh, you don't come from the industry per se. And I think one of the things that Josh and I talked about in a previous podcast is, you know, especially when it comes to trading, right? The key thing is in terms of returns. So when you started blogging and hedge funds started approaching you, like what were they approaching you based on? Is it were you posting your returns or did they was it just because they liked your approach when it comes to investing or what were the kinds of returns that you were posting for them to actually want to come to talk to you? So at the time, there was, uh, and, and we're talking more than a decade ago, there was still a lot of uh, very discretionary trading out there. And I would say that largest proportion of the funds was actually discretionary, meaning non-systematic and non-automated. Mm. And so... For me personally, I, I was never really a good trader as such. So, so, so I was more interested in the statistics and the maths and then the programming. And so what I did is I just posted things that are interesting to me on my blog where I say, oh, look, this this is what I found. This is what I can see in the market. And this is, you know, computer programs, how to solve certain problems. And so, you know, a lot of people saw that specifically at the time when there was very few people. Mm. blogging about this uh, I got quite a bit of exposure and and so a lot of people especially from those discretionary funds they thought oh I always wanted to be more systematic and I never knew how to do it because I didn't have the skills and and so on and so they approached me and and asked me uh, can you help me you know write systematic strategies and or even automate uh, these strategies and put them in the market Mm. And so this this is how I got started, basically. When you mentioned like that systematic approach, like you know, what are examples of some of the strategies that you were actually looking to automate? It it really 
depends a lot on where you are at in your trading, whether you are a beginner, a person that manages quite significant amounts of money or just a small account, whether you're an institution and so on. All this has a large impact on the type of strategy that you would use. It also, the type of knowledge and background that you have makes a big difference. Mm. So um, a lot of the, we call them retail traders, so, so private traders, these days use indicators. If you're more interested in technology, you can sometimes go to high frequency trading, which is, is more a game of technology and computers. Or if you're more interested in, in the maths and the statistics, then you can uh, go from maybe simple indicators to more much more complex mathematical models, statistics, uh, machine learning, and so on. Hmm. So... It all really depends on where you're coming from. Got it. So kind of going back to Josh, because you come from a marketing and then a coding background. So when you first approached this, like how, you know, what was your approach? You know, what are the first few indicators that you were interested in looking at? Because I'm kind of, you know, I really wanted to delve into, you know, what's the beginner's mindset to it so mm -hmm. that, you know, it applies to like the listeners who are interested. I would say for me personally, I had no idea, so mm. to say. So I literally just jumped into it and mm -hmm. was like, okay, like I'm open, like I'm a sponge, like let Tom teach me, so to mm. say. So I think like what we did was like first, what are the important fundamentals, so to say. So I thought like, you know, from my external perspective, like, okay, I need to know C++ because that's the high frequency stuff. And like, that's the, the really interesting stuff. And that's how I thought it is. But what kind of returns were you looking for, for your own profile? So um, I think for me, it was like I'm more like a long-term investor, so mm. to say, or like a long-term trader or whatever. It's like when I'm thinking of, okay, for the next 25 years, <laughs> like it's better to make like incremental wins rather than like, you know, go risky, so to say. I mean, of course, I think like you can still go risky at, at my age, so to say, and, and risk mm -hmm. certain things, but I would put it into like different pots, so to say. And like one is like, okay, kind of this, like you have like the, the strategy that gives you continuously returns, like maybe not the highest, but still like kind of decent. The other one is like more like, okay, you just gamble thinking of, I don't know, crypto or whatsoever. And I think it also depends on like the assets that you're trading. When you think about like options, uh, futures, bonds, uh, stocks, crypto, right? It's like all of them are differently traded and also like they have different indicators. And then also like kind of, for example, for, for crypto, right? It's like a lot on on social media, actually. Mm. So it's like, you know, like if a, if a coin goes up, it depends on if... Let's say Elon is saying Dogecoin to the moon, right? And and then like these influencers actually doing that, so to say. So I think for me, I thought like that high frequency trading is super interesting because, you know, it's kind of this, okay, you need to write really performant code. And I was like coming from a coding school, right? So I was like, okay, I, I really am interested in writing like this high performance code. And how can I do that? And I think I learned with, with Tom, for example, that there's also a lot of scams out there mm. where you can actually create strategies that perform well, very well for a certain amount of period, but then they just crash and destroy. Mm. And I think that's like one of the things where I'm like, okay, I would rather like have consistent returns, the more simple and the more basic, the more boring, so to say, actually the more long-term probably they will run mm. because um, yeah, it's like not that, oh, I lost 100% and oh, now I gained like 200 and so on. So it's like not that much of a roller coaster actually. But I think it always depends on if you're like a short-term midterm or long-term are you doing high frequency trading on a very short-term basis then you need a different strategy than if you're doing midterm or long-term 
Um, so, yeah. You know, one of the first things that I told Josh was that it's not that important uh, how much returns you make a year, but, but how much risk you take to get a specific return. So uh, one of the measures of that is called the sharp ratio yep. or risk-adjusted return. Mm. And I, I told him basically, if you can get a smaller return, but, but for much lower risk, this is much preferable to mm. a high but very, very risky return. So in that sense, we're, we're always pretty much opting for a high sharp ratio rather than for a high total return. And I wanted to put it back to you, Tom, like because you have been in this space for over a decade now. What are some widely held beliefs that you found to be not true? There's definitely a few of those. Mm -hmm. Um, One is that people often think they can find this one indicator that rules them all Mm. and that makes them perfect money. It's this magic formula that makes money. And really that, in my opinion, of course, does not exist. So after probably millions of backtests, I think I can say that quite confidently. It's really much more about uh, learning how to, you know, use multiple strategies, indicators and systems, be able to diversify your trading and extract uh, good risk adjusted returns from that. So, so I think magical indicators in my opinion, really don't exist. Mm. The second belief that is, in my opinion, quite difficult is often how the way people use uh, stop losses and profit takes in their strategies. Mm. Because often they come up with these very complex indicators and strategies, but then they're using some very arbitrary number as a stop loss. Now, I'm not saying stop losses are categorically bad, but... You have to be really careful uh, when you use them for risk management. And you can test this statistically if, if you run thousands and thousands of different trading strategies that in most cases, the average risk-adjusted return, if you introduce stop losses, usually uh, drop. On average, you're actually worse off over a thousand and thousand of strategies using a stop loss. Mm. Now, you need to use some stop loss for uh, risk management. So I'm not saying I'll oh, never use it, but... Be very careful at which point you're actually introducing it. It's really important and can really help to to boost your performance. So I would say those two things. Of course, there's a lot more, but specifically for people who are starting out, those two things are pretty important. Yeah, I think that's helpful, and I think that's it is also applicable to the audience that you know doesn't necessarily code, because I would think that you know maybe current followers of Triple A Quan would be people already have some level of coding experience. But yeah, as in like, I, th- I definitely think that what you said is applicable to most retail investors. Yeah, for sure. And I think if you have some programming experience, uh, there's, there's quite a few tools now that, that you can use to obviously come to your own conclusions. And I really started from first principles with this. Yeah. And uh, sometimes that can be quite helpful and really test anything that anyone tells you rather than accepting it outright. I think this is quite important because, as Josh already said, there's a lot of things that you find on YouTube or TikTok <laughs> that are just not not so. <laughs> so, you know, people give you some advice that at least you should double and triple check whether this is actually correct. Mm. You know, what are the top three pieces of advice you have for somebody who is looking to kind of enter quant trading this year? I would say definitely use the power of accessible computation. If you get into quant trading, it is very worthwhile actually learning uh, some programming and understanding it quite well. Uh, Secondly, if you want to work with more modern investment vehicles such as cryptos, uh, 
I would suggest it is worthwhile being very conservative and very discerning because we've all seen uh, what can happen. You put all your eggs in one basket mm -hmm. in crypto and, and a lot of people lost a lot of money. But having said that, these new technologies, of course, always do have a lot of upside. And then thirdly, it's been some interesting years since the uh, big correction in 2020. So the markets have significantly changed. When you do your back tests, uh, make sure you're really understanding uh, what's been happening and try not to overfit too much. <laughs> so mm. I think these are my, my three little points. Thanks, Tom and Josh. So I think like for me, if you're new, like completely new, try it out in paper trading mm -hmm. kind of, because mm -hmm. I think like the thing is like with most brokers or whatsoever, you can always say like, okay, I'm having the strategy. I let it run for, I don't know, a few months or whatsoever and see how does it do? Because I think like you put money in and if you lose it, it's, it's gone. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and, and if you don't know what you're doing, like it's. Yeah, so that's, I think, also one of the things is like you should be aware of what you're doing kind of and test it deeply mm -hmm. with, like, as Tom mentions, like, you know, like not falling into like the biases or the pitfalls, so to say, because can have a back test that looks very good. Mm. And I'm like, wow, I make so much money with that, right? And mm. then I just put it on there and it just like, you know, it destroys me. Mm. So, yeah, I think like that's that's where you need to also the critical thinking again. Like, I mean, I would say like definitely like being able to trust yourself, but also critically think about like, okay, what am I doing there? And with the crypto space, a lot of people are saying like that they're actually trading still there and making a good amount, so to say, because like certain strategies apparently work. I mean, I don't know about that, right? So I, that's that's why I'm like still trying like to, to build my own strategy there and see if that is true or not, mm -hmm. because I feel it's like, okay, like a lot of people are saying this and you see like oh yeah here this coin and this coin and whatnot and it's like okay double check it like you know i mean if they yes. say hey there's like a strategy or where there's like a coin that you should trade do a back test mm -hmm. like you know let it run like follow their thing for a certain amount and then i think get quality information i mean that's really tricky i think to a certain extent i mean for example i'm following this one um channel where they actually tracked people from the government um in the us um and how they're investing And I think they said like they are up 50% or something from like certain people. And I'm like, wow, like that's kind of like interesting. So I think it's always good to have like this information edge, so to say, but it's always difficult to get because again, like, do you trust it? Is it trustable? Like, mm. do you know about it? Is it a scam? Like, yes, it's, it's kind of like this 25% kind of chance, I would say. But yeah. Cool. And and I think that you guys actually have a lot of like good information on the YouTube channel. So for listeners who want to find out more, I guess they can go to Triple Quant. But then is there, you know, upcoming courses or you know how 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 else can people reach you? Well, sure. I mean, we've got our AAA Quants uh, YouTube channel and there is quite a lot of interesting information. So I have to say that the information are often uh, for the more probably a bit more educated audience in terms of programming and so on. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested, then, you know, you should know a little bit about this. The same goes for uh, some of the courses that we have put out. Mm -hmm. So we have a range of courses on different topics. Uh, they're mostly around how to build and test systematic trading strategies. Some of you will find some very interesting uh, information there. As I said, again, you know, we try to distinguish ourselves from a lot of the people that treat these things very superficially by going into very, very deep depth in some cases. And so it's not for the faint-hearted, of course, but 
I think in the long run, that's really the highest possibility of success. Mm. So thanks so much, Tom and Josh, for being on. Super useful. I think we kind of like really just raised the surface of what it could be. So for people who are interested, you know, go ahead and check out their YouTube channel. There's a lot of like great content there that you guys have put up for free. So, you know, like you said, a lot of information is out there for free, right? It's up to people to kind of like scour the internet, see what is quality um, education and devour that. Thanks guys for being on. Really appreciate you guys having, you know, shared with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Thank Josh. Thank you. Many thanks as well to all of you out there for tuning in. This has been a fantastic conversation and we would definitely love to hear what you think about it. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us through the email podcast at melisten.sg or at my Instagram at misfitfi. Aside from that, if you enjoy what you're listening to and want to hear more, please help to spread and grow the show by subscribing on Me Listen or Apple Podcasts or by following on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Finally, the Building Financial Fitness Podcast is an original production from Mediacorp and recorded at Scape Live Studios, The Pod, powered by Audio-Technica and City Music. Episode production is done by Junus Yu, with editing and support by Danny Cordy and Gareth Fernandez. Once again, I'm your host and BFF, Junus Yu. Until the next time.